the one thing I want to call out in this, um, you know, and trying to give people some hope in this is that, you know, they're trying to force layoffs. That's something that they're trying to force, right? And it's happening in tech now. It's going to happen in every industry before that they're done. Um, your job over this recession is should be two things. Hey, welcome back to the Wealthy Idiot Show. Um, I got DC back here again. If you notice between last episode and this episode, we are wearing exactly the same things. We are also drinking the exact same things because I we mean, recorded uh, it on the same evening. So yeah. if this next, if this second episode, I don't, I'm not going to call it a part two, but it's a continuation. Um, we want to cover some more topics. If we're slightly more drunk than the first episode, I apologize. But I also don't apologize because maybe it makes good content. I don't know. You guys let we'll me know down out. below. Yeah. <laughs> Comment down below if you like, you know, tipsy AJ and DC or sober AJ and DC. And we'll yep. find out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. So how's as it going, man? start showing our feet, I think we'll be good. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one's paying for our feet. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> no. Nobody. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I think uh, I think we've got an interesting topic in store. I think you're going to talk about credit card debt, aren't you? Well, you had an article about it, and you sent it to me. And I want to kind of show it alongside with um, what just happened at the Federal Reserve. Do you, do you have the article? Or no? so I can bring it I up. Do- I do not have the article up. I have uh, I have some talking points, but I'm going to let you get started. Just uh, in the article, you know, disclaimer: this is complex, so it goes into a lot of metrics regarding credit card debt. But there's, you know, I hate saying read the headline and you'll get the main story, but in this case, we really want you to read the headline. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. All right, I'm going to try and fit this in properly. There we go. Can you all see that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah this 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 is a complex topic. So. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of go through a little bit of the stuff on the article and, um, we can kind of, you know, highlight some of the important parts, but, um, I'll give a quick summary so that we all can understand what's going on here. So I was just watching our last episode, not the one we just did, no, not the one we just did last week, but like the one we did in December. And I made the statement that the federal reserve just increased interest rates and they made the statement that they need to see economic pain before they can start leveling this interest rate increases off or decreasing interest rates overall. Right. And that's a little bit scary. Like they want to actually see the unemployment numbers go down. Like they want to actually see, you know, like damage caused to the average person before they can change this. And the reason is in, in an inflationary cycle, when the government prints off bucket tons of money and floods the market and everything starts to just increase, right? So imagine you're just pouring in buckets, you know, into a tub. At some point, you're going to hit this overflow point, right? And it makes it feel like everybody's wealthy in the moment until you hit what's called a price wage spiral. So the price wage spiral is when prices go up, so wages go up. So prices go up, so wages go up. And if that starts going, it hits a velocity that is way too fast. And that that's where you end up with situations like Venezuela, where you have to go, you have to take a suitcase full of cash to go buy bread. That's what occurs. So what the Fed is trying to do is they're trying to stop this inflationary cycle. And in order to do that, they actually have to see the unemployment numbers get hit. Because they need to see that the demand for employees is going down in order to prevent this price wage spiral from occurring, right? And 
they just announced last week new increases in the um, interest rates. So they did it in December. They just did it again in January, like the end yep. of January. Um, 25 points, which is 0.25, which is one quarter of an interest rate, but it's still tremendous jump. And they promised to keep doing this until they start seeing the damage. Well, we think the damage is actually going to come pretty soon, and we think that it's going to smack us in the face. And the reason we think that is this article here. So coming through the article, uh, the very first point here, uh, the total amount of credit card debt hit a new time, no all-time high. And if you look at this chart, like, holy smokes. I don't even have to zoom in on the chart and explain what's happening here. Like, look at that. Like, this this is crazy. This means that people are handling inflation by taking out, like, using their credit card. Isn't that a credit card compared to savings chart? Isn't that what that is? Yeah. Yeah, it says yeah, that there. Let's see. Um, it's It's kind of blurry. There we go. Yeah, right? that's, so that's savings, outrageous. we all got and locked in our that, homes. We couldn't spend anything. Uh, June of 2021. Okay, so recently. Yeah, people were... Yeah, so it's going to it's gonna hit a year... What? Eh, maybe we're eight months ago? Is that June? Yeah, about eight months yeah, ago. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then this is our current credit card debt, and this is our current savings. It's just normal consumers, right? And so... Like we depleted that we had all time saving highs going on here during the pandemic. And then we switched and right here between June and December is when the inflation really started to take off and it's leveling out. But like, you know, people's spending isn't leveling out like they're they're depleting their savings and they're spending on credit cards like crazy. And I understand that, like, you have to feed your families, you have to put gas in the tank, you have to figure this stuff out. And as it also turns out, and I don't know if this article points this out. No, it's just more rate showing, like, you know, credit card over multiple years. Yep. You know, loans, uh, discover charge-off rates. Okay, so yeah, this article doesn't point it out, but um, the amount of money being spent on discretionary items has dropped significantly people are spending money on needs and even spending money on needs we're seeing this credit card credit card usage going way up so at some point that's not sustainable people can't keep doing that and when that hits that point like what happens right like if your yeah. job can't even meet your basic needs like what, what do you do right everything's yeah, too expensive yeah, and, and Discover, uh, one of their analysts, I think it was Discover, they brought up a good point on the data. You know, so you see where that chart kind of turned oh. in June of 21. Um, My bad. You know, per Discover, they don't usually see defaults until 18 months post the debt being created. So if we just started the turn in June, that's just hitting the 18-month mark. So you could argue that we could have 18 months of increased defaults, which is... That's, I mean, that would put us into 24. That's a long time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I think this is problematic. I don't think it's good. Uh, I think it kind of... I think if you look back to the 2020 time frame and into 2021, those savings rates were artificial. I think they were built by stimulus checks. What did we have? Two, three rounds of stimulus checks? Well, yeah, but not only that, um, because <laughs> the stimulus checks hadn't come in yet here. 
right? This is right when COVID so took off. So that's just when right people here. started saving because they weren't leaving their house. Yep. Exactly. So yep. like people could save. This tells me, and this is a totally different topic, but this no, tells me you're all going. capable of saving. <laughs> I know you're all capable of saving. So when people are like, ah, life's too expensive and, you know, I can't save any extra money. We yep. know that that's not true. The pandemic just proved 2020 that. says that's a lie. Yeah. yeah. It's just that you have to be forcibly locked in your home, apparently, to get savings. Then you need to, like, you know, come up with some better solutions on how to manage your money. That's are a different episode. Should, but. Are you saying we should lock everyone in their home? I'm saying that, like, you should find a way to lock yourself in your home if that's what it takes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out. Um, yeah. yeah, so this is crazy. And so some of this may not have a lot of context to people. So I wanted to go over some little facts with this because I think, like I said, this is a confusing article. I read it a couple times. I had a hard time with it. It does have a lot of facts and figures that aren't commonplace. Oh, you, you wanted that sound? That's cute. Okay. Nonetheless. Don't worry about me. <laughs> so uh total credit card debt in the united states so it just reached 866 billion Jeez, so that man. i mean that's the total number so that's i mean that's a really big number i, I wouldn't mind having 866 billion but that's beside the <laughs> point um so this is 20 percent over 2021 levels so just in the last year we've increased 20 percent. so not a good trend and 2023 is shaping up to not be a good start. So I think we could see that continue. Um, right now, the average interest rate on those credit cards is 19%. So <laughs> to put, yeah. So so I did some of my own research on this. I checked all four of my credit cards, and my highest interest rate is 12. So <sighs> I don't have anything within seven points of the average. But even worse. TransUnion is predicting that the average rate is going to be 20.5% soon. Mm. Yes. This that is the is, opposite of wealth building right here. That is the opposite of wealth building. So if you're if you're carrying a god, if you're carrying a 20.5% rate on a $10,000 balance, I mean you're paying $2,050 a year or yeah. $2,050 a year in interest. I think that's right. Math was never my strong point. Yeah, but anyways, no, you're right. that's a, yeah, that's insane. I mean, yeah. you're just handing the bank 2000 bucks, and that's only on ten grand. So if you think about people that have $100,000 in credit card debt, which shockingly is a lot more people than you and I think. It's, what's the um, average what's credit that? card debt? Uh, I don't know that I got the average. Um, I do have one more little not fun fact, which is delinquencies are up 54% from last year. And that is the highest since 2014. So, so the average credit card, the average credit card balance is 5,500. That's not good. Right? So then like, you know, we take the calculator out real quick. You said 20.5. Yeah. 20. Is that going to be the average rate? Right, so fifty-five yep. eight nine times point two, was that five zero? Yeah, tw- no two zero five. One thousand one hundred forty-five. The average American, no, the, the average American with a credit card balance, right? Because not everyone has a credit card balance. You know, all those Dave Ramsey watchers out there, <laughs> they're on the winning side right now. Yep. The average, the average American is going to spend one thousand one hundred forty-five dollars on. Interest alone next year. Yeah, and that's you know twenty twenty two numbers right there because we don't even know what it is now. And if you and on that chart, if you're a mathematician, you automatically know there is nothing on that chart that shows a slowdown. 
that's a line yeah. that's going straight and you know oh yeah theoretically that's going to continue until something else occurs i don't i don't know how that's going to look but man and can we talk about the mechanics of credit cards because I, I don't think people understand this i think this yeah. is a, a gap so you know so when you pay your mortgage your mortgage interest calculates in 30-day chunks so mm -hmm. basically your mortgage is calculated in a year and you divide the interest rate by 12 and you have you know you can kind of figure out the interest for 12 months um in the case of credit cards that interest is daily so once Ooh. you have a statement balance that has not been cleared meaning paid off you're going to have daily interest so if your interest rate is 21 percent, you take 21 divided by 365 and your daily interest rate is whatever that number is um, i'm not going to do the math for this but you get the point so the the flip side of that is that if you have not hit your statement date and that point where the payment is due, you have not accrued interest. So I'll give you an example. Let's say my statement date, my statement from the previous period closes today on the 3rd of February. So my statement is January 4th to February 3rd. Okay. okay. And then tomorrow morning, I go and spend 10 grand on my credit card. I will not owe interest on that transaction for 60 days because they're not gonna tell me my payment's due, they're not gonna do the statement closeout for 30 days, and then they're gonna tell me, hey, your payment is due 30 days from now. So I'm gonna get a 60-day lead with zero interest. I'm gonna get interest-free loan for 60 days. So that's great, but if you don't mm -hmm. pay that 10 grand in the 60 days, then you're gonna start accruing daily interest, and I'm gonna do the number just because now I'm curious. Daily. So, yeah, so let's use 20.5% um, divided by 365. That's 0.056% per day. Um, so times 10,000, and that's the wrong number. Hold on a second. 0 0.205 divided by 365. So that's 0.0005, sorry, decibels in the wrong place, times 10,000. So once you miss that payment and you haven't cleared that debt, or let's say you make the minimum payment, which is probably like 40 bucks, not a big deal, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're gonna accrue $5.61 in interest a day. So you're gonna accrue like a food. Starbucks coffee per day in interest. That's nuts. Yeah. That, I mean, that is crazy. Yeah, so when you put it like that, credit cards are a little more understandable. Now you gotta remember when people start accruing balances on five, six cards, and they all exceed five to 10 grand, you can see where this starts to get unbearable. I mean, you have balances, you can't keep track of statement dates. You know, you have one card at 26% and one at 18, and I don't even, it, it hurts. So I think when people understand a little bit more about the mechanics and how these things work, they may be more apt to, I don't know, avoid them. So correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a long time since I've had a balance on my credit card. And I had a balance on my credit card in like 2016 on accident, and it cost me like know, like 30 yeah. bucks or something. I mean, that, that was a total accident. I just missed yep. a month. I was busy. But um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the minimum payment on a credit card less than the actual interest accrued? Isn't it possible to increase your balance with by just paying the minimum payment? I, th I think so. I think if you have a really bad interest rate, uh, you could technically be gaining balance every month without ever spending more money, which is a so really that, that like five bucks could be like five bucks and a penny, and then five bucks and five pennies, and then yep. before like and you and you're actually paying it, like you're paying your interest, but like In and your theory. minimum payments, 
But then each month, that's just going to go up slowly over yeah, time. Yeah, and uh, credit card, hold on, credit card minimum payment percentage. Let me see what the actual, there's an industry standard. Uh, so typically 2% of your statement balance is your minimum payment. So we could do some math and figure this out, but I could tell you based on interest rates, you're not far off. Um, you know, you know, you really well, got to like, watch. Oh uh, yeah. Let's see. Minimum is 200. So times 12, that's 2,400. So if your interest rate is above 24%, you're in trouble. Yeah, so at 20.5%, you would pay um you'd pay 2,050 in interest. And what did you say the yearly payments would be? 2,400. Yeah, so, so you you're would only barely pay off, covering. So you would pay off $350 of your balance in 1 year out of 10,000. That's horrible. <laughs> you're going to be so, and you're going to fill that again. Like let's not lie to ourselves like you know, especially yeah, right now with how everything costs so much more money. You're going to like be like I need gas and you're going to you know, you're going to add more. And dude, this makes me almost as mad as the whole IRS thing. Cause this is something that no one is taught. So I guarantee you the people that watch this video mm. are going to listen to this and say, wait a minute. First of all, you don't pay interest on a credit card for 60 days or possibly 60 days, usually at least 30, but nonetheless, holy cow, I didn't know that. And then they mm. also didn't know that they could be getting charged $5 and 61 cents a day. I mean, no one tells you these things. Oh, I mean, we do, but <laughs> you know, most people know. Yeah. It's infuriating. It makes me mad. I don't... Yeah. This should be taught in every school in the country. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think moral of the story is we got... The Federal Reserve is going to keep raising rates until some dramatic stuff starts happening in the economy. You got a bunch of people who are upside down with credit cards right now to the point where it's possible that you could be increasing your credit card balance with just by paying the minimums. Um, and then our savings rate is nothing. We just blew through our savings, right? As soon as the government opened up, then we're like, you know, Hey, you can go back to life. Everybody blew through their savings. Like it was nobody's business. Yep. And, uh, the, you know, inflation is starting to balance out, but it's not like people don't understand this too. think like prices are not going to go back down. We, we care about the inflation rate. We're, we're not concerned with the current cost of items, Right. So the, the Federal Reserve wants to see a 2% inflation rate, meaning that year over year, they want to see inflation at about 2%. Yep. The prices have already increased. They want to see 2% against where they're at today. They're not looking to see the prices go down and then add yep. 2% on top of that. So prices are going to stay, and they're going to stay forever, and they're going to increase next year, hopefully at 2% if things are good. But we don't know that, you know. So yeah. we're going to keep adding pressures until people start losing their jobs, not just in tech, because, you know, we, we've, we pointed that out a few times. Tech is seeing layoffs like crazy, but mostly because they just added employees over the pandemic because they were seeing tons of new um, demand for their products over the pandemic. So they're laying off basically most of those people. But the Federal Reserve is not going to stop until we're seeing layoffs in every sector and then they're going to relax and they're hoping things are going to go, you know, uh, smoothly. So with that, with that in mind, um, like what's the strategy? What do people do? <clears throat> let's, let's not leave it on that negative note. Yeah. So I'll talk about a couple things. Um, so if you have, I'm going to go with behavior first. So I think if you have behavior problems 
And I'm not talking like you pee off of balconies in hotels, like things like that. I'm talking like <laughs> spending behavior. Those were um, my Marine Corps days, dog. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking over that. more so financially. Um, I haven't done it in a long time or ever, ever. I mean, never done yeah, it. right. We've never done yeah. that. What? So, I mean, realistically, if you know you have a behavior problem with money, I think the best thing to do is recognize that. So the first thing is, hey, I know I shouldn't have 12 credit cards. That's a good self-realization. You understand that and you can immediately prevent yourself from the, you know, the 12 credit card True. problem. Yeah. Um, with that being the case, I think everyone should have a credit card. So I think in the case of a person that's irresponsible, maybe you have one and you keep your limited about $1,000 and you make sure that you pay it off every month like clockwork. And what you'll do is you'll kind of mentally prepare yourself to treat that as a normal bill. So I use my credit card for all bills I am able to pay with a credit card. And yeah. I've just gotten to the point where I'm used to my whole paycheck going to pay off the credit card because the credit card has paid the bills. So it's just a cycle. Um, I don't pay bills with my paycheck. I pay my credit card with my paycheck and my credit card pays my bills and the cycle continues. Um, now, are there months where I'm like, hey, my paycheck doesn't pay off my credit card in full? Absolutely. Happens to the best of us, full disclaimer. Uh, the best thing is, is to know that if you've paid off your statement balance, you will not pay interest. So I actually tried to research this before this episode. Um, I went back through all my credit card statements on my longest card, and I can't find when the last time I paid interest was. So uh. that's cool. I was happy to see that. I mean, it was years ago, clearly. Um, you know, But like you said, you got hit with 30 bucks one time. Like Eventually, you're all going to you know, accidentally catch an interest yeah. charge. You know, but I think the first but step like, is you identify. You know, like on the on the flip side, I, I just cashed out a bunch of points, and I cashed out like fifteen hundred dollars worth of points that I've accrued Absolutely. just in the last quarter, right? Like just since October till now. So I've I've well made up for my three dollar yep. mistake. <laughs> and credit card rewards are not taxable, so Amen. that's huge. Yep, there's a um, um, YouTuber by the name of Caleb Hammer. And I like him. He, what he does is he brings people into his uh, studio and then he goes over their finances and then he just berates them to their face, you know, and there's nothing more delicious than like watching someone just get smacked down. Like, you know, I, and these poor people, like, I don't know why they volunteer for this, you know, but um, one of the things he says, and I love this statement, he's like, you're not a credit card person. And then I would never use it. Never use it again. You're not a credit card person. I would in fact close it, but I don't think you're going to do that. He's like, there are credit card people. You're not a credit card person. And, you know, in, in light of what you just said, which is like some people are just not credit card people. And if you're not a credit yeah. card person, that's cool. And I was not a credit card person in my 20s. I'm a credit card person now. So it's not like exactly. that's permanent, you know. So if you're not a credit card person, that's okay. Get rid of the credit cards. It's okay, right? Yep. We don't all have to be you know, the anti-Dave Ramsey crowd. Some of us need to actually follow Dave Ramsey for a while, and Agreed. then we could switch over to being more smart about it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, you know, behavior is the first step. I think the second step is you get a, a consumer-friendly credit card. So I'm going to call out the Discover It card. Uh, that's a really good one. Super consumer-friendly. Mm -hmm. A lot of college students have it. Keeps a low balance. Usually interest rate is, you know, not horrible. It's a good okay. learning credit card. Uh, has 2% cash back. It has a 5% bonus category. So in some months you can get like a 5% bonus on gas. Who wouldn't want that? Up Ooh. to $75. So I think, you know, there's good perks on different credit cards. And then I think lastly, and I will pound this point home, if you have a good budget, it will fall in line. So... 
if you expect to say my credit card is my budget, that is a bad plan. That, that's not a budget. You should have a budget and then your credit card should just be the medium in which you're paying those bills. It, yes. it shouldn't make a quantifiable difference. So if it is, then you have a budget problem and the credit card is just kind of helping you. Um, so that's, that's the big piece there. I think if you could do like, those three things. This is the, the, for the budgeting thing, this is the thing that like, you know, saved me for, you know, people who have struggled with budget. Cause I've struggled with budgeting before. What I have to do is I, I recognize that there's a certain percentage that I'm just not good at keeping within the budget. And it could be five or 10%, you know, like, you know, 10, let's say 10% on the high side. If my budget says I can spend 50 grand, I'm going to spend 55 grand. Right. And a lot of us are like that. And I think that really dissuades people from budgeting. What you do is if you know that you have a problem, that's about 10% of your budget, then you budget for $50,000. And then you try as hard as you can to fit into that. And when there's certain scenarios where you just can't, you have a little bit of overflow and that's what we do. So like, we like what we could spend and what we do spend aren't the same thing, right? What we could spend yeah. is way past what I have budgeted, right? And then what we budget is really conservative and that keeps us in our lane. And then when we accidentally go out of our lane for some reason, like an emergency, whatever, we got it covered because, you know, we have more than that. Yep. But Agreed. it's that real, it's that self-discipline and with a combination of figuring out how this stuff works for you, you have to have the discipline and you have to personalize it to yourself. You have to know yourself. If you're not a credit yep. card person, if you're not a budget person, you got to figure that out. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, credit cards are a, uh, they're a burglar. Uh, they will burglarize your retirement savings and your emergency savings and all those other things that you want to have. Um, yep. are really hard when you're chasing a credit card bill. So that is a, it's, I mean, it's a burglar. That's the best way I can call it. It's going to yeah. hurt every part of your budget. So what I like to call like credit card debt. Um, and I've said this on the channel before is you're borrowing from your future self and you're paying someone else to do it, right? You're taking money from your future self. Like, like, let's say you had a 0% interest loan and, and I'm just talking consumer spending. I'm not talking like investing, but consumer spending. You're taking out a loan, even at 0%, you're taking out a loan from your future self. Your future self has to pay that still. It's not yep. like this is free money. You still have to pay that. And if you have an interest rate, which all of us do, like you have a great interest rate, um, like you, you have to pay somebody else to take out that loan. So you're paying Visa, MasterCard, just to borrow from your future, which is crazy. Yep. Stop doing that. We've got to stop that. The one thing I want to call out in this, um, you know, and trying to give people some hope in this is that, you know, they're trying to force layoffs. That's something that they're trying to force, right? And it's happening in tech now. It's going to happen in every industry before that they're done. Um, your job over this recession is should be two things. Keep your job, right? So like your, your task, I don't, you know, to make this clear, your task in this recession is to keep your job first and foremost, and invest as much as you can. And the reason is, is the people who keep their job when the layoffs start coming are the people who are automatically going to be ahead when the economy turns around. You're going to be the ones who get promoted when everything starts to expand, who the world is going to be your oyster at that point. The person who lost their job are going to be the ones trying to scramble to figure out what to do when the economy turns yep. around. The second thing is, 
if you have your job and you're investing, the second part, investing, you're getting in when the market is down, which means that when the economy turns back around, you're going to see that growth like you've never seen before, right? The average, uh, the average bull market following a recession is like 25% increases over the next four years. You could double your money, and this is not guaranteed, right? There's no guarantees in any of this stuff, but never. This is just data, right? The average return on after a recession like this one is going to double your money within four years of anything you invest. There's, there's, I mean, there's nothing else that does that. I mean, the 401k does that to a point, but then what else does that? Like 25% returns is nuts. And so if yep. you can keep your job, you can get those 25% returns. When this economy flips around, the world's going to be your oyster. So this is your opportunity. Like wealth is made in a bear market and that's now. We got to get into it now. So like, I understand you know, the data doesn't look good. You know, it, things seem hopeless, but you know, people who are successful are successful because they do the work now. Yeah. You're, you're bringing up a good point. Cause I had a, uh, I sent myself a reminder earlier today to talk about this. So I want, this is a good segue, you know, cause times are tough right now. We can acknowledge that. Right. So, you know, what is some of the what are some of the things that are going to happen that could make it even worse for you? And one of those things is slimy insurance salesmen trying to get <laughs> their hands on your money, right? So, you know, story. I'm gonna I'm gonna screen share this because it's related. It really is, um, and I think we got the time for it. So, okay. you know, I mean, look at this. This is crazy. I mean, read that read that title. Uh, annuity sales hit record last year, ellipsing sales during 2008 financial crisis amid fear and higher rates. Yep. Owie. So, um, I'm not going to disclaim on here that, or I'm not going to claim on here that all uh, annuities are bad. That's not the case. Um, you know, SPIAs, what, single payment immediate annuities, I think is what it stands for. Single payer, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, you know, that's a decent product. MYGAs, uh, multi-year guaranteed annuities are pretty good. But that's not what these are. Uh, the vast majority of these are like uh, variable annuities, you know, indexed annuities. They're things that have surrender fees. Uh, they're products that promise to return 5%, you know, air quotes. And what happens is you Before do return... Fees. Yep, so you do return 5%, <laughs> but you also lose 3% to fees, so you return 2%. Uh, well, if you want 2%, why don't you just go get a high-yield savings account? And you can skip the whole annuity step. I mean, it's mm -hmm. literally pointless. So, you know, you add all that stuff up, and I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm, if I'm hurting, which I'm not right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel the grocery pain, and I feel the inflation, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not hurting. If oh, I'm man, hurting, come to California. What, yeah, how you're, You'll feel you're the worse pain. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but if you're really hurting and you wanted me to tell you the last thing you should do, this would be one of them. I mean, don't go buy an annuity. What are you hedging? I mean, yeah. first of all, right now, the companies want to sell these things because rates are terrible. So they're selling a ton of them because you're locking into a bad rate and the insurance company loves it because they know this is going to turn around. They're not stupid. Mm -hmm. So you know, you're tying up a bunch of money. You think you're getting a tax break. Most people don't even need the tax break. They just don't get it. And then uh, additionally, you're, you think you're getting market returns. Well, sorry for you. 5% is not a market return anyways. That's super low in my opinion. So, yep. 
yeah, all this stuff, you add it together, the credit cards, you add it together, like the audit increases, the fact that, you know, you can hear stories out of Florida that people are getting 300% property tax increases because of constant Ooh. hurricanes and their insurance industry has some problems with fraudulent roofing claims. You know, you've probably heard of that. So, you know, you add all this stuff up and, you know, the average family of four that just bought an annuity could be up a creek without a paddle. I mean, it's it's bad. So... You know, I think this stuff needs to be avoided. You really, safest place for your money in any market is stock market, real estate market, and in your bank account. I mean, that's real really estate. the, or your pocket, however you want to call it. But No, that's I mean, not a safe place. Don't, yeah. Like, but I mean, you know, what I'm saying, if you have a thousand bucks tucked away in your safe, that is a yes. good fallback because worst comes to worst, you do have that thousand dollars sitting there. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Real estate, stock market. Like you need proven assets that are going to eventually overcome bad times and insurance products are never that product. So, or asset, I wouldn't even say it's an asset at all, but I agree. we've talked about that. So I think this comes from, um, I don't have any evidence to suggest this, but just my own, what, I, what I'm seeing from reading and just watching people and, um, what what happens is you know you you figure out financially what the right thing to do is right so at some point let's say you know in your 30s you found you know the equivalent of the wealthy idiot show whatever that was back in the 90s and then you did all the right things so you invested your money your you know you weathered the storms you weathered the dot com bubble crash you weathered the 2008 crash and you got here today and you're like I'm retiring now and then you see your you know entire um, portfolio start to decline, right? And that's a scary thought because you like you know we you know we joke about this regularly. We're like we want all the recessions to happen while we're still working because we want to be yep. able to like buy stuff while it's on sale and keep adding more to our portfolio Absolutely. while it's on sale. But you don't really want that when you're retired because when you retired, you're not adding anything new. You're just taking the hit now and. I I would be I would not be surprised if it turned out that most of the people buying annuities are people who are getting close to retirement or are retired and they're just tr moving their money over because they want the security of being getting those returns right and I've been meaning to do this for a while but um I sh I should do this at some point in the near future an episode about what to do when you actually hit retirement because what you should be doing when you hit retirement and this is just a really low explanation like really simple is that on good years you should be taking out more and putting it away and then on bad years like now you know the fed is going to increase the interest rates like you said you, you know you know that the high yield savings accounts are going to produce so the money that you're taking out that's extra you don't spend it in good years you put it into a high yield savings account and so when the economy starts switching and the high yield savings account starts producing more, then you have that to withdraw from and that continues growing, right? And then on the bad years, you have something to draw from. And then when it turns around, you start the process all over again. You can do that yourself. You don't need to pay someone to do that for you because that's what an annuity yeah. is, is you're paying someone to do that process for you and they're going to take most of your growth. Right, we just talked about the twenty-five percent returns following a bear market. You're not going to get those twenty-five percent returns following this bear market. You're going to get the five percent on your fixed annuity because that's what you went out and bought, 
And then the company who is investing your money is not only taking fees out, they're, they're taking out fees. They're also going to take the other 20% gains following this market. And they're not going to apologize about that. They're going to walk away and buy a yacht and you're going to be left feeling like you won somehow because you, you took a fixed annuity. Um, and that's returning, like you said, 2% or whatever, right? It's not a win. Yep. Yeah. And, and to your point, um, you know, we talk about this a lot, but you know, all this advice isn't one size fits all. So, you know, I talk about, uh, the fact that I hate high yield savings accounts. I think I've mentioned it before. Yeah. You know, I hate, I hate them today. I won't hate them when I'm 57. So, yes. yeah, I just want to throw that out there. It's a perspective, and a lot of it's based on age. So I'm in my mid-30s. I'm just I'm not enthusiastic about putting money in a high-yield savings account. I'm enthusiastic about buying as many shares of VTI or VOO as I can. And over the years, that will turn into a massive pile of money. Not uh, financial you can pile, advice. Not financial advice. That's just my preference. You can look up your yep. own preferences. There's a lot of personal preferences. available. Yep. Um, my preferences you know, might or might not be exactly the same. No. And that's, you know, that's where I say, don't take my advice of, you know, I say I hate a high yield savings account. That's just my current self saying that I do think there's a time and a place for it. And you brought up a good point. Um, the theory you talked about in retirement is called sequence of returns risk. So basically it's the theory that if you catch a string of bad markets and you have to pull, let's say 5% from your portfolio a year and the market keeps crashing, that eventually you'll be impacting your plan enough by those withdrawals and market losses that you'll not have enough money to survive. So that's the theory behind it. That's why people have come up with things like the safe withdrawal rate and they call it 3.5%. Mm -hmm. That number is supposed to be impervious to that. However, uh, again, you could have a six year span of bear markets, which would be unusual. So there's some wiggle room in that. You know, so just keep in mind, you have to develop a plan that's robust, survivable, repeatable, you know, all those good things. Yeah, very true. And then uh, you said something, and I'm just blanking on it now. I said a lot of things. You'll have to yeah, that was a good point. Oh, oh, yeah, about like you know, you know, high yield savings accounts are not fan. So in your 30s, in your 20s, and in your 40s, right? Like our whole goal should be to get rid of cash as fast as possible. We talked about that in our um, episode in December. Right? Like cash is trash. Get rid of cash as Absolutely. much as you possibly can. Like holding on to cash is losing value. But when you yeah, actually like hit retirement bucks in my checking account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when you actually hit retirement and you're actually trying to figure out how to manage that, right? Putting cash into a high yield savings account is gonna become a requirement. So when yes. we say cash is trash, we mean you know, for the people that are in the working ages that are still investing, still trying to grow their wealth. That's when cash is trash. When we actually get to the end, don't buy an annuity. You don't need it. This is not financial advice, but that's when you start being smart. And on years where we get like a 16% return, right? The market's up 16%, right? You still only spend whatever that safe withdrawal rate is. You still only spend 4%, but you take out 8%, right? And you stick the other 4% into a high yield savings account, Yep. right? And you do that every year that the market's up so that when the market's down, then you're safe. You don't have to worry about it. And you can continue spending as if nothing occurred. And you could live your life and, uh, I don't know, kick your feet up on a beach and have some rum because that's what all the business is about. Absolutely. But coconut rum is better on a beach. That's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
no, that's uh, that's pretty much it. You hit it spot on. You know, again, the the moral of the story is don't freak out. Uh, I think you said people have two tasks: keep your job and then keep saving. I mean, that's that's really a simple investing. way of looking at it. Yeah, investing. keep investing. And nowhere in that does it say buy an annuity. Actually, I would argue you should not buy any insurance product unless it's term life, anyways. Not financial advice. That's just general housekeeping. So. Um, but yeah, that's what I got on credit cards, annuities, you know, the economy. That's pretty much where we're at right now. Right on. Well, good episode, man. I super appreciate it. I love when you come on because, um, you know, this tax stuff and, you know, some of these details to a degree that, uh, I would say most people just don't. Right. Yeah, and, um, I would, you know, like the credit would, card stuff is incredible. I would like to have some audit experience, but at the same time, I, uh, I don't really want audit experience. So <laughs> the day... <laughs> The day I'm on here and we're talking about our experience with audits is a bad day. Yeah, that's the truth. And, you know, if I ever get audited, I'm recording the whole thing. I'm going to put it all on YouTube. You guys can all watch the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, we should. I like that. You know, and, the you know, my IRS agent, you know, if you see these episodes, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to record the whole thing. Do, Do you think you have a personal IRS agent? Oh, 100%. He's like my guardian angel, but like the opposite. He's the devil on the shoulder, right? The yeah. opposite of my angel. He's yeah, the one absolutely. who's like, you know, oh, man, that, that you know, money that you got there, you don't got to report that. Yeah, they're talking to each other. Like, yeah, no, you should 100%. report it. Be a good citizen. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, he's got a little great. suit and tie, and he's got no soul, because that's yep. all the IRA agents. Absolutely. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. We'll do this again soon. And um, any final words? No. uh, You know, just watch that spending and, you know, try to keep your job. And if you lose it, find another one. So, yeah, hustle. uh, Yeah. Appreciate you watching the hustle. Yep. All right. Appreciate it, man. And thank you all for stopping by. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys.